San Francisco Experience podcast. Brought to you by Jim Herlihy. Independent commentary from a Silicon Valley, California perspective for a global audience. Featuring newsmakers, thought leaders, and authors. Season 19, Episode 2. Andrea Riseborough's Oscar nomination for Best Actress. Talking with Sean Chang of the Hill Place movie and TV blog. The Motion Picture Academy's board announced yesterday that they would not rescind Riseborough's nomination for Best Actress. In case you're wondering who she is and the controversy surrounding To Leslie, her latest film, you're in good company. With us today... To shed light on this controversy is Sean Chang. Hi, Sean, and welcome to the show. Hi, Jim, and thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Sean, who is Andrea Riseborough? Well, I'll be really quite candid with you, uh, Jim. Until this controversy erupted or until I started hearing about this unusual campaign to get her an Oscar nomination for this film that she made called To Leslie, I had not ever heard of her. And I'm going to quote my Chinese father by basically saying that he once said to me, boy, if an actor or an actress is someone you've never heard of, they must be obscure. Let me second the wise words of the late Mr. Chang, because if you don't know who this actor or actress is, how would we mere mortals possibly know? To be fair, I saw people who were quite knowledgeable about film say that they've been fans of hers for years, but the type of films that she made are kind of these offbeat independent films that are very much geared towards a niche market. I mean, she made some films that people may have heard of, like Oblivion and Birdman, and I don't want to you know, undercut what she's accomplished. She is somebody, if you look on IMDb, who's done a lot of film and television through the years. And she did study at the acclaimed Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts mm. because she's, from the, she's, she's a British actress from the UK. But I've never heard of her prior to hearing about this really bizarre grassroots campaign that established movie stars were conducting to get her a nomination. And after having you know, dipped my toe into learning more about her, I'm going to be really candid and say I really don't have any interest in getting that her as an actress any further than I already do. To my, in my opinion, she's kind of a boring actress, a boring independent actress, indie movie actress with a very unrealistic outlook on things and kind of romanticizes things. Uh, there's an interview I sent you on YouTube where I don't think you had that, that much of a positive impression either. So how could this barely on the radar screen actress how come she is at the the center of the swirling controversy and she's been nominated for an Oscar for Best Actress? And and also please tell us about this film that she starred in because it only it only grossed $27,000 at the box office. And To Leslie is an independent film that uh, was released um, last fall. It made $27,000. It's directed by a man named Michael Morris, who's done a lot of television. It's a story, it's a character study about a woman who had won $100,000 or so in, in the lottery, and she squandered it all, and now she's an alcoholic who's alienated from her, from her grown child. To be honest, I haven't seen the movie because I couldn't bring myself to pay $6.99 on Amazon Prime <laughs> to stream it because I've got more important things that other things I'd rather spend my money on, uh-huh. like, you know, buying food and things like that. Right. And I think it's a movie that's very limited. It's appeal to people. And I think a lot of people are scratching their heads about this. But somehow 
this grassroots campaign started brewing among established film stars that include Charlize Theron, Gwyneth Paltrow, Amy Adams, Kate Winslet. Courtney Cox, Ed Norton. Exactly, you know, and they were all just doing different things to try to help her. For instance, Charlize Theron and Gwyneth Paltrow hosted screenings for the film and invited their movie star friends to attend to try to get the word out there because for the uninitiated, in order to get an Oscar nomination, each of the different categories, they're nominated by people who are working that category. So actors nominate actors, for instance. So they wanted to get the, it word, the word out there among the acting community who are Oscar voters uh, that this is a film to consider. And others, like Amy Adams and Kate Winslet, they did these sort of internet uh, Zoom interviews with her, with these virtual interviews where it allowed her an opportunity to talk about the film. But it really started because the director of the film, uh, Michael Morris, is married to an actress named Mary McCormack, who is very well connected. She starred as um, Howard Stern's wife in the movie Private Parts, which is about his life. And I guess she stayed friends with Howard Stern from from that film. And she asked Mm -hmm. him to see the film and if he liked the film to talk about it on his podcast, which he did. So that was one way to get the word out. And then she just, I guess she knew these movie stars and asked them to help. And they jumped in there and did things to try to get the word out. There's an actress named Frances Fisher who's very active on social media. And it's really the actions of Frances Fisher and Mary McCormack that really raised people's eyebrows. But I want to lay out the facts carefully so that it's not confusing because a lot happened. Frances Fisher, I guess, said in, in a tweet or an Instagram post that don't worry about Kate Winslet or Daniel Deadweiler or Viola Davis or Michelle Yeoh. They're locks. And what she meant by that statement was something to the effect of their nominations are guaranteed, but consider this person as the fifth nominee. And there are rules in the Academy that say that in any kind of Oscar campaign, you're not supposed to talk about the competition Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. And then Mary McCormack and her husband, the director, hosted a reception at their house that apparently was in by invitation only. Andrew Riseborough was there to answer questions about the movie. There was no screening of the movie at their reception. And apparently it was, you know, catered in a very lavish manner, supposedly from what I read in Vanity Fair. And there's a rule in the Academy saying that in terms of serving food and beverages and things like that, it has to be attached to a screening, meaning that that if you're going to like, you know, serve food, a screening has to precede it. And can, that did not happen here. Can I just jump in here? Now, Mary McCormick is married to, what's her husband's name again? I think Michael Morris. Michael Morris. And so Michael Morris is the director of this movie starring Andrea Riseborough. And so Michael Morris essentially made a movie that only only made $27,000 at the box office. So probably spoke to Mary, his wife, and said, you know, gee, I'm disappointed. And like any good spouse turns around and say, you know, say, Hey, how can I help? How can I, how can I boost sales? And so Mm -hmm. she in turn turned around and talked to these other famous actresses and tried Mm to stir up interest in the film. What's wrong with that? Well, there are rules in the Academy and another another rule apparently that may have potentially been violated is that she sent emails out, did email blasts to Academy voters saying, please share this information with others. And apparently there's a rule saying that you can't personally appeal to somebody who's an Academy voter to ask them to vote for or consider a movie. But like I said, those are those were things written in articles to be fair to the participants. We have no clue if how accurate those uh, those talking points are in terms of, you know, how that transpired, except we do know Francis Fisher did do um, something on social media comparing Andrew Riseborough to the competitors. So we do know about that. But what ended up happening was 
that a lot of people did not believe that this campaign had much of a chance. The morning of the Oscar nominations, I actually was watching it live. And when Andrew Riceboro's name was announced, there was this gasp in the room because it actually worked. Uh-huh. Okay. What, what happened immediately, and this is something that I predicted from the get-go, was that there was a lot of resentment because two black actresses, Daniel Deadweiler from the movie Till about Emmett Till yeah. and Viola Davis for The Woman King, they were not nominated. And those are two people that had been nominated for other awards, I believe the Golden Globes and you know, SAG Awards and things like that. So it was expected that they would be nominated. So the fact that they were not on that list really angered people who uh, believe that the Academy has a duty to uh, nominate minorities and people of color and or whatever have you. There were five slots for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. So there were five slots. Andrew mm-hmm. Riseborough took one of those slots. But mm-hmm. these two other actresses, so she arguably took one of the slots that, that, these, that Daniel Deadweiler thought she would have gotten. As or Viola Davis's supporters would have thought that she would have gotten yeah yeah exactly but but who yeah. knows but who knows but who knows we, we don't exactly we don't know and the, the other thing is is that the three nominee the other nominees included michelle williams for the fablemans michelle yo for everything everywhere all at once who, who seems to be the front runner kate blanchett for tar my personal favorite anna de armas for blonde because that was an unexpected nomination for her, for her performance as marilyn monroe because blonde even though you and i found things in it that we appreciated uh-huh. um, got a lot of bad reviews and was really castigated by feminists because they thought it was an exploitative movie but but even though it got bad reviews and the, and netflix didn't really make an effort to promote blonde and the armis still somehow got nominated and i really i supported that because it demonstrated that they were supporting the performance not the movie and her her performance was strong enough that it overcame people's uh, reservations about that movie so it really ended up focusing on andrea riseborough and then last friday the academy said that they were reviewing the the circumstances and the tactics used to get that nomination and it caused people over the weekend to talk about is she going to lose her nomination and you know what's this about and some people in the entertainment industry did things on social media saying that this is someone at a major studio who spent a lot more money on their film and a lot more money on their Oscar campaign probably got resentful and complained about it. And that, that, that it's the David versus Goliath kind of thing. You know, uh-huh. these movie stars who kind of romanticize socialism and they hate capitalism, yes. you know, they're thinking like a major studio executive or publicist complained about it. But I actually don't think that's what happened. I don't think that's why the Academy decided to do a review of this nomination. If you're curious, I'll lay out what Absol- I think this is really about. Absolutely. You always have an inside perspective on what's going on behind the scenes, in the studios. Tell us. I just think it has all, all to do with what I just mentioned earlier in terms of the racial issue, that there are people out there who believe that the Academy has an obligation to nominate minorities, people of color, to make up for the fact that through the years, mostly white actors and white artists have been nominated you know, I have never felt that way. I, you know, I'm an immigrant. As I've said before on this podcast, I'm an immigrant, you know, Chinese background, but I love movies and television as an entertainment and art form. And I am an art for art's sake and entertainment mm-hmm. for entertainment's sake kind of person. And I do not believe that the arts, cinema and television included, have that obligation and nor should the Academy have that obligation to do that. But there are people who do believe that. And uh, through the last few years of the Academy, they've done things like, rescind the voting privileges of the older white members if they haven't worked in a while and then invite a lot of younger, hip, 
people of color as voting members to try to gerrymander the situation and, you know, kind of change the outcome of things by have by thinking that these younger hip people who were of different races might be voting for different things. I think that the Academy is very similar to the royal family of England. They are so terrified of being seen as racist or not being racially sensitive enough that they freaked out because the LA Times wrote an editorial last week saying that it's it's Oscar so white so white all over again. Oscar so white was this hashtag that was created to complain about not enough people of color being nominated for Oscars, even though the person that wrote this editorial alleging that and saying that you know black actresses in particular are you know being uh, shortchanged overlooked the fact that there was uh, a black actress angela bassett uh, nominated last week for supporting actress and a black actor nominated in the supporting actor and that four asian actors were nominated in the Austin in, for the ask academy awards in different huh. categories an asian you know, american was nominated for best director and uh, and the writer from japan was nominated you know in best adapted screenplay all i will say is that uh, the editorial and the sentiments of another person which was the director of the movie till who was very resentful that the actress she directed in that film was not nominated and she wrote a, a post on Instagram trying to raise and allege the same thing. It, it was apparent to me that that those individuals see diversity in only one direction, as opposed to also recognizing that, it, you know, that Asians being nominated was also very momentous for the Asian community. Of course. Mind, mind you, I'm not an Asian that basically sees things that way. I was like, oh, okay, that's nice. But by recognized for other Asians, it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And to these people, you know, they didn't even recognize that. So in my opinion, for them to kind of not recognize that, you could make the case that they were the racists in the situation. Point I'm trying to make is, is the Academy is so terrified of any suggestion of it that I think that's why they opened this review. They didn't want it, it to appear to the public that they allowed this to happen because one of the key things that people were complaining about was some of the tweets and some of the Instagram posts and some of the things I saw on Facebook where there were people complaining that these uh, movie stars, such as the ones I've mentioned, they were demonstrating their white privilege. They were using their power as movie stars and white women in a way that Daniel Deadweiler and uh, Viola Davis, they, did, they, don't, they don't have that same advantage. And they were able to get this obscure white actress, Andrea Riseborough, a nomination, which is a resource that they don't have. But the only thing I will say you know, in response to that is, is that the Till uh, campaign for Daniel De Deadweiler for the movie Till, that was backed, as I think, by MGM and Viola Davis's movie, I believe, was Sony. So mm -hmm. major studios backed those two in, in those two actresses. And the LA Times article, the writer even went so far as to complain that a black actress like uh, Daniel Deadweiler did everything expected. She did all the questions and answers um, at screenings. She went to receptions. She did all the things that you're supposed to do to campaign, and she still didn't get it. But my take on it is, is well, wait a minute. Are you looking for equality of outcome right. or equality of opportunity? Because she had the same opportunity as any actress out there in a major film backed by a studio to make her case okay mm -hmm. and you know, you know either the movie itself didn't make the case strong enough or her performance didn't make the case strong enough or she didn't make the case strong enough in, in her in you know in terms of how she presented herself at these q a's so i anyway but that's the thing it's and i think it's very ironic that andrea riseborough began to be called on social media the face of white supremacy and white privilege <laughs> 
And these white actresses who are movie stars were, were called Karens by some people and also the symbol of white supremacy and white privilege because in researching Andrea Riseborough and in glancing at some of the things that these movie stars have said, they all lean left. They're all basically, you know, white liberal women. Right. Okay. And I think it's kind of ironic, especially because Andrea Riseborough has an interview that she did with the Associated Press a few years ago on YouTube. And she spent some time in that interview talking about how she really believes in diversity in film and that movies should not just be about these white guys in, you know, flying around in capes. She didn't call it white guys, excuse me. She called it white dudes flying around in capes and that he believes in more opportunities for people of color and whatever have you. I just thought it was ironic that, well, you know, in her mind, she thinks she's an ally to people of color and some people of color see her as the symbol of they, you know, white privilege. Well, to to your point and for Miss Riseborough, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's all that I have to say about that. Let's come back to the, uh, the Academy. The Academy at this point, they have voted to leave her nomination in place. Mm -hmm. Are there going to be any changes in procedures so that, that this kind of lobbying doesn't happen again? And let me, let me just say this. Hollywood is all about self-promotion. Mm -hmm, yeah. It's all about having the loudest megaphone, having the loudest voice. Look at me. I want attention. That's what Hollywood has always been about. I kind of see this whole controversy as a storm in a teacup. Yeah, I, yeah. And with actors and actresses who, you know, understandably, you give it your all, you don't get the nomination. Well, you know, you suck it up and you come back again next year or the year after or whatever. Nothing is guaranteed, particularly yeah. in an industry as volatile and uh, whimsical and capricious as the entertainment industry and movie making. So at the end of the day, the Academy decided to leave her, her mm -hmm. nomination in place. So w are they going to sanction these other actors and actresses who promoted Riseborough? All they said was that they're going to deal with them directly, which is very vague. And then they basically put out a statement saying that they're going to revise the rules and you know come out with them later or like a later awards year I'll, I'll, there's just a couple of things i just want to say sure. in relation to that which is that some people actually think that you know there was a potential that they did violate rules and if that's the case they should be sanctioned and some people tried to defend them by saying well no that's not fair because they didn't know what the rules are and i'm just going to say <laughs> That or some people try to defend it by saying the rules are so vague. I don't think it's that you know hard to understand that if you are campaigning for somebody you, and you're not supposed to mention potential competitors, that's pretty clear cut to me. Okay, and I think the part about if you are campaigning and if you're going to serve food or drinks, it should be attached to a screening, and that's pretty clear cut to me. I don't, and if people aren't clear about it then they should go ask the Academy for clarification. The reason why I think it is all related to, you know, the, the race issue is this was done for several weeks leading up to the awards nomination being announced and articles were written about it. People commented about it on social media. I, I think it's totally the outcome of it that caused people to complain and for the Academy to investigate it because the Academy, if they thought that something shady was happening about it, they could have basically said to them while this was all happening before the nominations came out, wait a minute, we're going to investigate this because you guys you know, aren't handling this right. right. So that's why I think it's all racially based because people weren't happy. Some people weren't happy about the nominations. The Academy was afraid of being seen as racist. And therefore, that's why they wanted to make it appear like they took it seriously by investigating it. If the rules really are the issue here, the Academy should have been doing this while it was happening, while they were doing all this. But I will also simply say this about the rules. When people were saying like they didn't know what the rules were, it, which almost implies like, they should be given a pass. 
Uh-huh. Okay. All right. A lot of these people, um, uh, these actors and actresses in the past have said things of a political nature, and they're probably going to say things of a political nature in the future. All I have to say in relation to that is that the fact that they can't take the time, the people involved with this campaign, if they can't take the time to learn about the rules that governs the major trade organization for their own industry, okay, if they can't take the time to learn it, how it applies to them in terms of their actions, why should anybody take them seriously if they ever take a political position uh-huh. in the future on an issue that isn't even about their own industry? Sean, let me let me ask you a question. With mm-hmm. all of this controversy, Andrea Riseborough, what are her chances, do you think, of winning the Oscar for best actress has this has this controversy helped her has it hindered her or is it is it neutral oh are you kidding i think (laughs) let me tell you if you asked me before this you know who do i want to see win i would have said michelle yo because not because she's asian and i'm asian but because she's like you know was a james bond girl and anytime a james bond girl makes good and proves that she's really a great actress i cheer that on Okay, so I was in support of her, and then and then Anna De Armas got nominated, yes. and I was leaning towards her winning and stuff because I think she was remarkable, and she's also a, a prior James Bond girl, and you know we always want to root for them. But here's the deal: even though I haven't seen this movie, and I really, you know, I, life is too short for me to waste my time on a movie that I have no interest in like that. Okay, right, you know. But I think she's, I, I think she's improved her chances of winning because a lot of people see her as now the underdog. They're rooting for her, and they don't like her being treated that way. But before I forget. For someone who's called an underdog, I looked her up on her IMDb Pro page, which is like the professional page for IMDb. She's like represented by a creative artist agency, which is the biggest agency out there. She's got like a business manager, a publicist, and you know, like, like a commercial agent or this. I yes. mean, we're not talking about some, you know, um, way you know. Waif doing, you know, dinner theater or community theater. We're talking about someone who's like really, you know, highly represented. So let's just like be realistic about it out there, okay? About her being the so-called underdog. And uh-huh. and I guess maybe I'm being very sarcastic about her because that interview with her with Associated Press so turned me off to her as a person. Because at one point she says something about about Angela Jolie and saying how she admires her, but then when she did Tomb Raider, Angela Jolie, I mean, did Tomb Raider. She felt kind of sorry for Angela Jolie that she had to do something like that in order to establish her power base in Hollywood. And I just thought, you know, this is another one of those, you know, you know, kind of like flighty head in the cloud actresses who thinks of everything purely from artistic terms and doesn't realize that this is a business. And I had over the holiday, I had I had dinner with a friend who has been an actress in films and TV for like 45 years now. And I'm not going to say her name, but people know who she is. And she is she's so, very refreshing because she's just all we talked about was Chinese food. But 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 <laughs> honestly, the thing that's refreshing about her is, is that she's very realistic about the business. She's realistic about the challenges actors face in the business. He's very much you know someone who is an artist, trains and takes classes and whatever have you. But she's a realist. She doesn't have her head in the clouds the yes. way Riseborough does. And, and to make a statement like that about, you know, someone who is a more important actress and judging the choices that she made, which is Angela Jolie. It just totally turned me off to her. But I'll just say this in, in closing. I think it's improved her chances. There are some people who've said that they're going to vote for her now because they don't like how she was treated. So I think Michelle Yeoh, if she really wants this Oscar, she better get get out there and promote herself and you know, in front of – Yeah, if she wants to win because this is what I would find hilarious 
I shouldn't say this because I always believe in the Oscar should be awarded in terms of performance and the actual work. I, so I shouldn't say this. And so I'm contradicting what I believe in. But there's a lot of people that believe that people should be nominated or win Oscars these days for reasons other than the actual work. So they've established some uh, standard that I'm just going to take advantage of in the statement. But my statement is this. I actually want her to win. And you know why I want her to win? Why is that? You know, I mean, I, you know, last week, if you'd asked me, I would have said because it, it's about the work and people are passionate about the work that she did. So, you know, but then when I saw her interview and I saw how naive she is and how she how I think it's hilarious, the irony that she thinks that she's this very progressive type who's trying to help people of color and people of color who are passionate about this issue resent her and see her as a symbol of you know white privilege and white supremacy. Here's the deal what I'm getting at. A lot of people want Michelle Yeoh to win because she will be the first Asian actress winning Best Actress at the Oscars. Uh -huh. Okay, a lot of people want her to win. In addition to the fact that she did excellent work, they also want that as that little extra something that justifies her win. Um, Asians, in particular, want to see her win. I would love to see Andrea Riseborough win and have her current image in some people's eyes as a symbol of white supremacy and white privilege reinforced even further. Okay. <laughs> I think that would be absolutely hilarious, okay? <laughs> I think I'm serious because only then when people who think that they're trying to help people realize that all the efforts that they do to try to help people actually may not be appreciated and that the groups that they try to help actually don't see them as allies but as enemies, maybe then we can actually focus on the work again and on the actual art form and not about all these other things because these movie stars that supported her and Andrew Riseborough, how they could go through this campaign and not think that it would that that if they were successful that some people would resent them for it and call them people who were you know, benefiting from white privilege because maybe potentially a black actress wasn't nominated how they thought that it wouldn't apply to them and that they would be subject to that criticism blows my mind. They should be aware of the world that we live in and that people would resent them for that reason. And in that sense, inadvertently, I think they did demonstrate that they, that they enjoy a level of privilege that shows how ignorant they are to the world. And I think I, I want them to learn a lesson out of this, okay, uh -huh. by her winning, because I just think that if she wins, it's going to be something that she may end up living to regret. And I would find that absolutely hilarious. Now, Sean, when are the Oscars? When will we know? Not until like I mean, March 12th or something. You know, I, see. I, don't, I don't have the, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but a lot could happen. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Michelle Yeoh will win. This will be a moot point. And if she wins, that's fine. And, you know, this won't happen. But I really, truly believe that if, if Andrea Bridesborough wins, you know, it'll probably be more than she can handle. And it just proves the point of be careful what you wish what you, for in what life. What you wish for in life. Well, Sean, exactly, yes. Sean, on that note, as always, very informative, <laughs> very yes. informative, very passionate. You've really given us a kind of a behind the scenes, as always, view of what's going on, how this controversy unfolded. And uh, once again, I want to thank you for joining us today. Well, I just have one thing I want to say before we wrap up. It's that I understand people see things differently and to have representation in the awards means a lot to them. I don't agree with it, but I can respect where they're coming from. 
I'm never going to see their point of view and they're never going to see mine. I'm just giving, you know, my perspective on it. But I also will make a point of saying that the people who care about this doesn't doesn't necessarily reflect, I think, everybody from, you know, that particular demographic or ethnic group. I'm sure there's a lot of people who aren't really worried about whether or not Michelle Yeoh gets nominated for an Oscar, people from the Asian community, for example, or people from the African-American community who aren't really worried about Daniel Deadweiler or Viola Davis uh, being nominated and, and all that stuff because they're busy working for a living, trying to earn a living and raising their families and just getting through life. And that's the thing I want to point out is that we have allowed these awards to be and the publicity surrounding them to become much more important than they're really warranted to being. The Academy Awards was created decades ago as sort of a marketing tool for the Academy. It was meant to be fun. It was meant to be an evening to celebrate the movies. And now it's become something that has really divided people and has become something quite hateful. And I think we need to stop allowing things like the Oscars or anything like that to divide us. We're divided enough already. We need to find a way to basically find something more in common with each other again. That's all I got to say. Okay. Well, Sean, on that note, once again, thank you for joining us today. And for our listeners, the San Francisco Experience podcast is coming up on its third anniversary. And today's episode is number 367. The podcast is carried on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pandora, 19 platforms in total with listeners in 65 countries. This has been the San Francisco Experience with Jim Herlihy coming to you from San Francisco.